Welcome to Addicted to Busy, the podcast specifically for overachieving property managers who are dying for a little more work-life balance in their lives. Each week, we dismantle all the BS that holds us back. You'll learn how to nix those tricky, self-sabotaging habits so that you have the time, energy, and motivation to create what you really want in life. If you're looking to shift from overcommitted to overjoyed, this is the podcast for you. Let's do this. Now, your host, Anna Havalyana. Hello, and welcome back to Addicted to Busy. If you listened to last week's episode, you would hear that I was very sick, and I still am. I just got back from a seven-day marathon sprint, and let me tell you, I am exhausted. First, I flew out to Houston to speak at the BOMA Educational Symposium at the Bank of America Tower downtown, and I had such a great time. It was kind of a medium-sized crew, so it felt really intimate, and everyone was really welcoming. And I had to chuckle because before the event started, I was walking around getting to know people and networking, and one of the gals asked me who I was with. And so I said, I'm actually your speaker for today. And I told her that I'd be talking about work-life balance. And she started laughing and said, oh, so you're a comedian. It was at that moment that I knew that I was in the right place at the right time. And again, I had such a pleasure working with everybody. Um, I'm not a comedian, maybe more like a magician from the sense that I help people create more time for themselves out of thin air. I have to chuckle to myself because I wish more managers could have heard not just my talk, but the two panels that Belma Houston put on. But I know how hard it is to break away for an entire day away from your properties to get your CE credits in. I really feel like the people that I need to be speaking to are the people who sign up for these conferences, but then don't go because they have a habit of putting their properties needs above their own development needs. Wink, wink. Anyways, uh, Bama Houston put on two amazing panels, one on hybrid work environments and the other on company culture. And they tied together so beautifully. You could see that some managers have quote unquote feelings, if you will, about hybrid work environments. And throughout this panel, we were literally watching managers change their minds and opinions. This segued beautifully into the conversation about company culture. Company culture and employee needs have really been shaken up with the option and potential to work from home. And there are a lot of ambiguous concerns, like how do we maintain a sense of team if we're not all in the office? How do we keep good employees happy if they don't want to be in the office? How do we even talk about company culture and what are the signs that an employee is starting to check out? It was so good. Thank you again to Boma for inviting me to be a part of the day. While I was in Houston, I had the opportunity to go get lunch with one of my favorite humans, Lisa Schwaller. Lisa and I met while we were getting certified at the Life Coach School in 2020, and we've just kept in contact over the years. And we're both in the process of getting master certified, which if you're unfamiliar with what that means, all I can tell you is that it's the most wonderful and awful thing all at the same time. 
I'm going to tell you more about it in the future, but for now, all you need to know is that this program is designed to test your limits and test my limits it has. I'm not unconvinced that part of this isn't why I'm sick right now. Anyways, it was really refreshing to sit down with Lisa, who's also going through this process and just vent about it and celebrate it. So if any of you are parents who want less stress and more fun, because who wouldn't want that, you need to check Lisa out. She does a whole course on stop overreacting in front of your family. Once I got back from Houston, I was home for a day and a half, and then my husband went to Chicago to watch my nephew get confirmed, and he asked me to be his confirmation sponsor, which really makes my heart swell because I love that kid so, so much, and it was the sweetest thing as my nephew was standing in the aisle waiting to receive his blessing. I had to stand next to him and put my hand on his shoulder and my little five-year-old niece came up on the other side of me and held my hand while I held his shoulder and I just love them so, so much. Um, It was a really fun weekend. I got to watch both of them play hockey, got to play a couple board games and then that Sunday night I flew out to Portland. (laughs) I got to Portland around midnight I took a very brief nap at my Tita's house, and Tita is what we call our aunts on the Filipino side of my family. I then got up at 4.15 a.m. to drive to Eugene, Oregon to present at the annual PRISM conference. I presented, drove back to Portland, spent the rest of the evening with my aunt, and then made it back to Wisconsin the next day. I did manage to sneak in time to catch up with another coach friend of mine, Anthea, who's also getting master coach certified. And again, it's just a joy for me to connect with others who really enjoy this work. For my coach friends who are listening, you really need to check her out. Her handle is deepdivecoach underscore Anthea. While I was in Eugene, I had the chance to connect with another property manager who is also a coach. Her name is Alicia, and she's amazing. She's just really in tune with people and their emotions and how it all works together. And we had a great conversation about how difficult it can be to manage our energy levels. I think that's often what goes unsaid in our industry is that many times we're helping other people manage their own emotions whether it's an upset owner, a disgruntled employee, or a distraught tenant, we're often expending our own energy to account for someone else's energy or feelings. Think about it. Have you ever handled an irate resident and then once they leave, it feels like you just ran five miles? It's exhausting. If you identify as an empath, which I think many property managers are, then you know how easy it is for work or the people at work to feel extremely draining. And we talk all about this within the Addicted to Busy to program. So this is definitely something that we're going to talk about in the future because there are simple ways to maintain our energy and our stamina, even when the person in front of us is losing it. It is possible to handle your quote-unquote exhausting residents without exhausting yourself. And this leads perfectly into what I want to talk about today. When I talk about 
work-life balance or creating and getting after personal goals, I think a lot of people want to get wrapped up in the beliefs that this is all about time management. And don't get me wrong, time management is a huge piece of it. But I think a lot of what we're really getting after is energy management. Our energy and also our attention are limited resources. We don't get more of it until we go home, rest, and start over. Now, you can try and do things like drink caffeine to power through, but all in all, humans need rest. The problem is that many managers are giving their energy away without their conscious choice. As managers, it's in our nature to handle request after request after request and just boom, 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 go through the day tackling one fire after the next. Keep in mind, almost every property management job application or job description that I've seen, they've all had one thing in common. They all say that the candidate must be able to multitask. But I think a lot of managers are misconstruing multitasking with an assumption that they need to be constantly available. And this is why their work is bleeding into their personal lives. Now, here's the thing. When you feel unfulfilled because you're giving too much of your time to work or giving too much of your time and energy to other people, and when you don't make a conscious and deliberate effort to care for your own needs and make time for your own hobbies and interests, it will backfire. And then what happens is our brain will start looking for something, anything that will make us feel good in the moment. And this is what I like to call hitting the easy button. You may have heard other coaches refer to this as buffering. You know that you're buffering or that you're hitting the easy button when you're using something external to compensate for how you're feeling internally. Said another way, you know that you're hitting the easy button when you're taking an action that in the moment feels great, but that will inevitably make you feel awful later. Another way that you know you're buffering or hitting the easy button is if you're overdoing it. So here are some examples. Overeating, oversleeping, overdrinking, overscrolling, overworking, oversharing, overexplaining, overspending, you name it. Other examples of the easy button are watching Netflix to the point that it impedes on your sleep or playing a game on your phone when you have other things you'd like to do or doing easy tasks at work instead of getting down to business on a big project. Now, I want to preface this and say that this doesn't mean that you should never have ice cream or play a game on your phone or scroll Instagram again, but I do want to encourage you to start paying special attention to when you might be hitting the easy button in an effort to escape how you're feeling internally. There is this sweet spot where you can take these actions without feeling bad or guilty later. And that's exactly what thought work will help you do, is uncover just how much of a certain action feels good and healthy to you. Hitting the easy button prevents us from experiencing our lives. And when I say experience our lives, I mean all of it. The good, the bad, the beautiful, the ugly. And ironically, when we hit the easy button, 
we tend to create more of the bad and more of the ugly. As an example, overeating feels good in the moment, but it results in so much regret later. What makes this more difficult is that it's kind of like a drug, which ties perfectly into the business name Addicted to Busy. In the context of drugs, a human can build up a tolerance to a substance. So even if you're consuming the same amount of something, you may not feel the effect, even if you're consuming that same amount. So you need to consume more of that substance in order to feel its effects. I'll give you an example. In my own life, I think where I see this the most is actually with ice cream. My friends and family who know me will affirm, I love me some ice cream, especially if it contains any sort of chocolate. In reality, one scoop of ice cream is enough. <laughs> Eating past one scoop is completely unnecessary. But because I eat so much of it, and because I get so much dopamine from eating it, I need more of that delicious substance in order to feel the same hit of satisfaction. Now, let's tie this up with the motivational triad. If you're unfamiliar with the motivational triad, I want to invite you to pause this episode, go listen to episode number three, what you need to nix any bad habit, and then come back. But as a brief recap, your brain has three main functions. Seek pleasure, avoid pain, and be efficient at seeking pleasure and avoiding pain. This is called the motivational triad. When our toddler brain is running the show, it's going to be obsessed with getting instant gratification and avoiding discomfort at all costs. It's only when we start operating from our boss brain that we can start to ease out of these habits. The tricky part of this is that our brain wants to strive for efficiency. And this is why it can feel like some of our habits are completely out of our control. If you've ever lost track of time while on social media, I like to call this being a scrolly poly, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. Social media is a very easy place to get potential dopamine hits. So our toddler brain has turned the act of scrolling into an unconscious habit. Unconscious habits don't require us to use our boss brain. We've engaged in that habit so many times that our brain no longer has to think about this. My clients have heard me use this analogy a hundred times. So for those of you who are listening, here we go again. But as an example, I first invested in coaching because I wanted to stop overeating. And before I uh, started coaching, I would do this thing, and maybe some of you do it too, where I would go to the pantry, open it up, grab a bag of chips and tell myself, I'm going to have just one. Now that's never what happened. Eventually what happened was that I actually started eating unconsciously and I wasn't aware until I'd reached the bottom of the bag that I was doing it. With more and more coaching, I would catch myself halfway through the bag, a fourth of the way through the bag. At one point I even stopped and thought, maybe I should just pour a bowl but that awareness point creeped up an inch further. I'll never forget there was one day I was sitting on my couch. My husband came home. I heard him unloading the groceries and I heard the crinkle of a chip bag. And I thought to myself, 
I'm probably going to want to overeat this. So that is the process that it took me to get from eating unconsciously into interrupting that habit pattern and changing it and even recognizing when I might be prone to fall into that habit in the future. As you listen to this, if it feels like any of these behaviors seem out of your control, I want to let you know that's totally normal. When I was hitting the easy button with food, I wasn't consciously aware of what was going on. I would literally black out briefly until I realized I had reached the bottom of the chip bag. Habits are formed through a three-step process. There's a cue, then there's our behavior, and then there is the reward that we receive. Keep in mind, one of the brain's main functions is to seek pleasure, avoid pain, and to be efficient. So as your brain processes these cues, responses, and rewards, it doesn't want to have to think about every single piece of that decision. So it will create habits that are unconscious. That's why when I was eating chips, I would black out. I was unconsciously eating. I'll use a different example. Think about it for a minute. Do you really want to have to have a conversation with yourself every night about why there is a long-term reward if you brush your teeth? Do you really want to have to think through every single step of the process of uncapping the toothpaste, putting it on the brush, and then going up and down and up and down and left and right and left and right and up and down? If you've ever seen a toddler try to brush their teeth, it's painful to watch. I once watched my nephew load his toothbrush, stick it in his mouth, and he never noticed the chunk of toothpaste fell off his brush and was sitting on his shirt. It's painful. It's really a beautiful thing that now when I brush my teeth, that is all an unconscious habit. And now my mind is freed up to think about other things. My brain has figured out the cue, response, and reward thing and now teeth brushing takes up very little mental space. Now, unconscious habits are amazing for things that truly benefit us in the long run, like great dental health, but they're tricky when they come at our own expense, like standing in front of the kitchen at 6 p.m. in front of my pantry, eating a whole bag of chips by myself when dinner was only a few hours away. I can't tell you how many times I did that, how many tears I cried because I couldn't figure out how to stop and how shitty my brain and body would feel the next day. Here's the problem. Our society is absolutely obsessed with feeling good all the time. And these easy buttons that I mentioned give us huge dopamine hits that allow us to do exactly that. If I feel down in the dumps because I've had a hard day at work, I can get food delivered to my front door. I can turn into a scrolly poly and spend hours on Facebook or Instagram. I can spend money without ever leaving the comfort of my couch. And I can mute my thoughts with a glass of Malbec. If I choose to, I could do all of those things within 15 minutes. But we really have to stop and consider, would life be better with or without all of these escapes? For me, if I wasn't ordering DoorDash, I'd have more money. I'd probably have more energy, and it might be easier to fit into my jeans. All of these escapes only allow us to feel good for a few minutes. If you're lucky, maybe an hour or two, but they end up coming back to bite us in the butt later. 
like I mentioned, I'm not saying we should never do any of these things. You had better believe that I will stay caught up on my favorite shows and I'm definitely going to savor a glass of Malbec. And there will be days when I just can't even, so I will order DoorDash to give myself some reprieve. But it comes down to deciding in advance what a good and healthy amount of these behaviors feels right for me. And it's different for everyone. There is no universal right or wrong measurement of how long we should allow ourselves to scroll on social media. Now, the second that I start talking about hitting the easy button, many people will clam up or get defensive. They'll really fear what that means. A lot of people can't imagine a life without these simple escapes. And so the thought of reducing them can easily scare a lot of people. But that's exactly why we're doing it. We hit the easy button because we're too afraid to look at the raw emotion that is our life. The easy button allows us to avoid our pain, but then we end up missing out on some amazing things down the road. I remember a few years ago, it was still when there were quite a few COVID lockdowns, I went to my girlfriend's condo in Chicago with another friend and the three of us were there eating some takeout, catching up, and I was sipping my wine really slowly. And that night I had only one glass of wine. And my friend asked me, she said, how do you do that? I didn't know what she was talking about. So I said, how do I do what? And she said, you know, like just have one glass of wine. And I really had to stop and think about that for a second because I wasn't exactly sure. I used to be someone who could finish a bottle of wine by herself in an evening. I was someone who always drank at networking events, and I was someone who could not say no when someone offered to top off my glass. Now, I was never an alcoholic. I was just never someone who had a lot of self-control. But here's the thing. Eventually, the pain of drinking more than necessary caught up with me. It was so painful to wake up in the morning pissed at myself because when I overdrank, I typically overate. And when I did both of those things, I felt like crap the next day and it was hard to get through the day. I was constantly dragging. When I started to consciously reduce my drinking, it did feel impossible at first. However, once I did it, I was able to do so much more with my day. Eventually, I had saved enough time and energy that I was no longer working more than eight hours a day, and I finally had time to try something new that I wanted to do, which was run a marathon. <laughs> the excitement and thrill of doing something so challenging really overtook my brain, and pretty soon, wine was completely unappealing to me because I was more curious about if I could finish that race. Wine was just no longer worth it. I wanted to know what I was made of. Now, I'm not saying that you need to run a marathon in order to get to this point. No way. <laughs> what I am saying is that eventually, hitting your easy button too many times is no longer joyful. It backfires and becomes immensely painful. I still enjoy wine from time to time, but I'm super selective about when and where. Because the reality is, if I have more than two glasses of it, my brain knows ahead of time that I'm going to be in physical pain the next day. And sometimes that's just not worth it to me. And I really don't have to sit around anymore and consciously argue with myself saying, mm, should I, shouldn't I, is it worth it? Is it not? 
now it's just clear in my mind when it's worth it and when it isn't. And there's no brain drama around it. And I can't tell you how good that feels to not have to think about this anymore. I'll be really honest with you. I'm struggling to implement this same mindset as it pertains to ice cream. I love that shit and I have a lot of brain drama around it, but I'm not stressing over it because I know that with time, I'm just going to take what I've learned from my journey with wine and how to create a healthy relationship with it. And I'll figure out how to replicate that with ice cream. Like I mentioned, you don't necessarily need to run a marathon or do anything out of the ordinary in order to flip this all around. But I would love for you to ask yourself this question. If you could reclaim all of the time, energy, and money spent on overdoing some of these self-sabotaging habits, what would you do with it? And again, when I ask this question, I'm not implying that you never eat ice cream or play a game on your phone ever again, but I am asking you to look into what untapped potential lies inside of you. Because if this episode is resonating with you, then you definitely have pieces of you that are waiting to be explored. From the ease of being a scrolly-poly to the instant gratification of online shopping to the way that we're socially conditioned to rely on wine after a bad day, to the way that food is so easily accessible and the way that one episode of your favorite show bleeds into the next, it's easy to hit the easy button. But it's coming at the expense of you actually living out the things you would like to do. Now, the great thing is that once you have awareness around the easy button, which you do because you've listened this far into the podcast, You actually have so much more power in your own life to start making conscious decisions from your beautiful boss brain. If you're doing thought work or using the weekly journal prompts, you're going to be able to uncover exactly how and why you get stuck in these habit loops. And once you start gaining power over them, you will be on fire. I'll give you an example. I used to love Taco Bell. And I've gone through the ups and downs of eating healthy and then not eating healthy and off and on the healthy train. And it made no sense because most of the times that I ate Taco Bell, I felt both physically ill afterwards and then terribly guilty on top of it. Now, if you're in the Addicted to Busy group program, I'll teach you exactly how I can now enjoy Taco Bell without feeling like crap. And it feels amazing to have this level of trust within myself. But Anyway, I remember one afternoon, I was having a particularly rough day, and subconsciously, I started to consider hitting the drive through And I'll never forget, I could hear myself say to myself, clear as day in my mind, Anna, you know this isn't actually going to make you feel better. Why don't we just save it for another day? And so I did exactly that. I just went home. I decided I could have Taco Bell another day, and I moved on. The only way this was possible for me was through doing consistent thought work and journaling around how, where, and why I kept hitting the easy button. I had to keep an open dialogue with myself and prepare myself to respond to my inner voice in new ways. I had to reason with myself and I had to reassure myself. When you learn how to do this for yourself, it is so empowering and it removes stress in multiple places. As I mentioned, I have a lot of trust within me when it comes to not over-drinking. I trust myself to fully listen to my body and stop when it's time to stop, 
and I don't have any issues not drinking in social settings. I'm still learning how to implement this trust with myself as it pertains to ice cream, but because I have proof that I can overcome one habit, I'm not stressing about the habits I haven't yet changed. I know that it comes with time and focus, and I'm learning how to be patient with myself. It is so much easier to change a habit when you're not judging and shaming yourself into submission. And that is what I want for all of you and the reason why I share on this podcast. The first step in all of this is simply awareness. When you're open to this work and invested in yourself, it's amazing how the things that used to bug you about you become the pieces of you that now you're most curious about. More than anything, I get excited to see what you will do when you start giving yourself the time and energy that you deserve. I would love to help you on this journey. So hop on over to our website and apply for coaching today. I'm at anahavaliana.com. That's a double N A J A V as in vodka, E double L A N A.com. Thanks for spending some time with me today. I love you. Keep going. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Addicted to Busy. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast. This helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode.